Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You ready to write? Do you want to learn what it takes to create a writing career? Then tune in and take notes because on Simply Write, we talk about the writer's craft and the qualities and quirks of living a writer's life. Let's go. Welcome. This is Simply Write with Polly, the podcast where we talk about writing craft and living the writer's life. And what all that can look like. It can be a jumble, a mix of things. You know, when I was starting out, many teachers cautioned, and this was like in the prehistoric ages, but many teachers cautioned against writing fiction and nonfiction. And there was a sense that you also had to choose your genre, be a, a literary fiction writer, not a mystery writer. You couldn't do all of it. Well, I think that's hogwash. And that has also changed. Just about every writer I know has done a mix of writing in their career, and I think it makes it all better. We're going to get into that today and a whole lot more with my friend and the author of both nonfiction and fiction books, and he even wrote television for a while, I think. So we're going to get into all that with my friend Donald Altman. Welcome, Donald. Hey, hi, Polly. It's really great to be here with you today. Oh, I'm excited to talk to you about writing. We've known each other for a long time, and I don't yeah. think we've ever gone into this part of it. No, that's true. That's true. It's Donald is an award-winning author and psychotherapist. He's a former monk whose work integrates ancient, timeless practices into our modern lifestyle. He's the author of over 20 books, including Simply Mindful and other nonfiction books. And today we're talking about his novel, The Travelers. So we have lots to get into, Donald, but I always start the show one way, and that is with the dailies. This morning, I made breakfast for my daughter, which is not something I always do, but she had a big test today. So I made her breakfast and I checked in with my accountant because it's tax season and um, I'm visiting with you. After this, I'll be getting into a, a chapter four revision of a novel I'm working on, my first one. And I last night when I was laying in bed, I, I realized that that whole chapter may have to go. <laughs> so I need to <laughs> wade into that and figure out what that is going to look like. And uh, I'm also working on my resume, which is something I haven't done in about 20 years because mm. I've generally done magazine pitches and assignments have, have come to me. I've done uh, several books, but I always have one content marketing client and that client has retired. And so I am in the business of looking for a new client to uh, work with. Yeah. So all this is changing. What does a regular day in the life of a writer like you look like, Donald? Well, I think it is in flux, like you're saying. It could be vary from day to day. Uh, if I'm working on a project, then, uh, or even if I'm not, I get up nice to get a, uh, some brew up some warm co hot coffee. I love the smell of it. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's become a ritual. It's not just that it, yeah, yeah, it does wake you up, but it's it's like my whole ritual and uh so i get the coffee and if i'm working on a project i like to get started in the morning i find that i'm fresher in the morning with writing and i will start on 
for my writing warm-up, I always start on page one. Well, you know, sometimes I might I might look at the newspaper, but usually if I'm writing a project, uh, you know, the ideas are flowing. I might have thought about it at night, like you say, and and oftentimes lying in bed, I'll get an idea like, oh, yeah, I've got to add that or I've got to make that change. And so I will start in the morning, and no matter what page I'm on, I could be on chapter six or page 200. I start at page one. I'll, 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 and that is my, I start going through it and like a, like a fine tooth comb, anything that stops me or that doesn't look right, I'll fix it. And so I, I do all this revision until I get, and it really gets me up to speed to where the writing is now fresh. I feel like I've, as a reader, been reading this book and now what is happening uh, currently. And then I'll get into the, into the new material. But um, yeah, so that's, pretty much how I will work. And if I'm, again, if I'm really uh, in uh, the enthusiastic energy stage of that book, I might, you know, I, I, I sometimes I'll work through <laughs> lunch or whatever. Hmm. It, it's, it, but I know that when I, it, you know, when I start struggling a little bit, that's time to let it go. So, you know, some hours in, if I find that I'm I'm really stuck on one little paragraph or one little thing and I'm over and over and over, and then I'll say, oops, this is a sign that it's time to let it go. I need to be fresh again. But I also, oh, also I should mention in the morning, I like to have some protein and I'll always have some protein, whether it's eggs or something, because that I know from the work that I've done in my nonfiction books around the prefrontal cortex, the executive center of the brain, that protein throughout the day, even just a little bit here and there, helps your uh, mental function. So helps you think better, be more, uh, have more clarity of thought. And um, so that's also part of my routine. That's interesting. You touched on coffee as a ritual, not just a habit. And you talked about protein. I write nonfiction books as well. And on this show, we talk a lot about mindset because it's, it's writing no matter what people think it's it's physical it's emotional mm -hmm. and and it's a, a craft we actually have to sit down and use the techniques so i think it's interesting that you have this awareness that it's a whole body job it's it's not just like you can go sit down with an idea and get it out if your body's not strong enough to support your your brain isn't firing it's not going to be a successful day well and that has to do with sleep too i'm also i should say I guess my routine for for writing starts the evening before because I I try to go to, to bed at the same time approximately each night and so I I know that I'm going to have enough sleep. If you don't get the sleep and you don't get the nut proper nutrition, you're not you know you're really putting yourself behind the eight ball, so to speak. You're really hindering yourself and your ability to get those ideas out there. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't think we talk about that enough, but but that that's a smart comment. That's that's helpful. So you've been doing this a long time and you've been through many different aspects of your career. Give us a little backstory. Where did you start and how did you come to be this prolific? Donald, you're always creating new, <laughs> interesting material. How did where did you where did you begin with this and how has it led you here? I, I guess I began. I mean, I I always seemed to have a knack at writing and, you know, I'd have writing um, uh, uh, in essays or things that I write in, in high school or college. And I just sensed that, you know, I needed a really strong opening. I needed to grab their attention and a good close. I'm not saying that 
what I wrote, the content was actually that good. <laughs> but I felt that I somehow I, I just had an, somewhat of an intuition about how to write something interesting. Uh, but I never officially took any writing, never thought of being a writer. And in my family of origin, that you know, my father was an engineer. So writing was not uh, something real to him. It wasn't concrete, wasn't tangible. And when I got out of school, I, you know, I worked in, uh, he had a firm and I worked there for a while. I was also uh, in the trades. I was an electrician and I was so unhappy. I say my unhappiness drove me into writing. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I was just not happy with what I was doing. And I decided to, to look around at other careers. I was in my probably mid twenties. And so I started exploring different things. I wrote down the things that I liked doing and writing was one of those that I thought I might like doing. And so I started meeting, talking to people in different career paths. And there was a guy named Ken Lewis, who was a, a, a corporate industrial writer. He was also an actor and had a fascinating life, but he was kind of a ment an early mentor to me. And um told me what a corporate writer did and how you know how they worked and i i ended up uh you know putting together a resume i got i got fired from my first uh, job as a writer <laughs> 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 um it was a yeah it was some kind of uh slideshow that somebody wanted for his company and i didn't really know what i was doing <laughs> But I had to, you know, I had to learn the form and learn different forms. I, I wrote uh, point of purchase films for Sears. That was my first real mm. job as a writer where every, these were three to five minute films um, that were shown near products when Sears was really big. And, uh, and you could get creative with those. It was fun. And I learned a lot and it was very visual. And so I, I, I be, really became a corporate uh, writer, not a, not a technical writer. I wasn't, that wasn't really my strength, but a corporate writer, a lot of, you know, where I, I would write for large um, uh, corporate meetings, for example, write speeches. I, you know, I got into a lot of different aspects of writing. I also wrote for a children's television show. You alluded to that. We won a couple of Emmy Awards for that. And that was a TV show in Chicago. And I, and I had watched, I had seen the show. It was really is for kids, but uh, I knew somebody who was uh, a writer on that show, and they said, "Oh, you should, you know, see them about maybe writing." And so they said, "Well, write up a sample script." And I, I wrote a script, and the uh, producer really loved it, and I ended up getting on staff with that program. Oh, cool. Yeah, so I did that, and um, had a short film made. Later, moved to. Uh, Los Angeles, and I was I was going to all the studios pitching movies and films. And <laughs> if you've ever seen the 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 uh, film The Player, I mean ah. that that was <laughs> what it was like going around. And <laughs> so I, you know it was uh, it was a lot of fun, and but it was frustrating for me because it's so hard to get a film made. And even though I did get a short film made, and we almost got it made into a feature length film. Uh, a couple of studios said they wanted to do it, but then pulled it at the last minute. I think it was out of that frustration that I moved into uh, book writing. But I think the real change in my career came after I went into the monastery and uh, it it turned me towards writing books that were um, spiritual, self-help oriented books about mindfulness and how you 
could have mental wellness. I also, after I went to the monastery, uh, went back to school. So it really was a major career shift in terms of what I wrote and also in terms of the kind of work I did. I continued to write, but I wrote nonfiction, mindfulness, spiritual books. And uh, yeah, and I, I did that. Um, still really doing that, but I but I'm also uh, then moved into novel writing. Do you think it all relates from from the first uh, sales scripts and instructional scripts and the children's television and the sc- screenplays? Do you think good writing there is the same as good writing now? Does it all influence and and teach us as we go, or are they distinct things? You know, it's a funny thing because I thought about it when I wrote my first nonfiction book, which was Art of the Inner Meal, uh, the spiritual side of, of, of food and eating. Uh, that book was kind of a pioneering book, but it it was a book that got, you know, I, I got an agent from that book very quickly. Um, she went to New York and sold the book to Harper, San Francisco, Harper Collins uh, that same week. Mm-hmm. And, wow. and I thought about that. How did the work that I was doing as a corporate writer translate over to writing this book that was a very uh, a much deeper book in terms of the kinds of topic that it topics that it shared shared part of my life history and I didn't realize it but in writing all those corporate films I was actually training myself and honing my craft so I don't think it matters what kind of writing you're doing you are actually honing your craft for whatever it is you're going to be doing next. And so that, you know, it kind of connected the dots for me after I wrote that book that, ah, this was, I was planting the seeds all along for this because I was kind of like wondering, oh, how did this happen? <laughs> well, I want to know how did this happen? You have a novel out after more than 20 nonfiction books and all the other things you detailed, you have landed with a novel, The Travelers, which I thought was fabulous. And the whole time I was reading it, I mean, it's not just it's not just a story you you weave these themes in here this magic where did that come from and why a novel after all these years well you know it's funny I think a novel in some way came out of my because you know I'd written a lot of film scripts and I understand uh story plotting and film structure but um a lot of times in my work with clients as a psychotherapist because maybe it's because I like books, but I always would ask people, what are the books you like? What are the stories that connect with you, that resonate with you? And I found that uh, I could really, that was a doorway that really helped me work with people in a different way. And, you know, sometimes it's called bibliotherapy, but it's, mm. but it's actually, because um, I would want to know what, what character, uh, uh, you know, overcame those obstacles that you really connected with. How, you know, why did that resonate with you? And so it gave me a lot of insight into that person. And I thought, wow, I'd love to write a book where somebody would said, well, that character, the characters in that book really made a difference to me. And well, that's the book that, you know, helped me think about how to overcome grief or how to find balance in my life or open up to love. I want a traveler to be that one of those books. Yeah, I, that worked for me. And I, I'm really fascinated in how you pulled those themes out. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to ask Donald about that, where the themes come from and how you develop those through 
the piece of writing when we come back on Simply Write with Polly on the Creators Network of Electricast. And we're back on Simply Write with Polly right here on the Creators Network of Electricast. And we're talking with author, nonfiction author, novelist, screenwriter, Donald Altman. And right before we went to break, Donald, we were talking about your first novel. I mean, you've told stories throughout your career as a screenwriter and so forth. But in this novel, you have many themes woven through. It's a it's a very spiritual book, yet. I think it's kind of a mystery, right? Kind of a thriller. Mm -hmm. There's um, some grief. There's all these themes that come together in a cohesive story. Was that intentional? Did you know what you wanted the book to do before you started writing? Or did that emerge as you went? You know, I think I had kind of an idea, but I think it emerged as as it went because it was so different from writing my other kinds of books that I structure out in advance. I mean, Mm -hmm. I know what the chapter is going to be. I write a little synopsis of each chapter. I'll put together different maybe research for each chapter. So that's all organized before I even start the book. Here, I had a sense of the character. And I think, you know, um, very early in my career, I was wanted to be a playwright, actually. And... um, and I remember reading uh, a book by Lajos Egre, The Art of Dramatic Writing. And that is a wonderful book. I mean, it's, it's, it, I don't know how old that book is, but that book has stuck with me in terms of you're developing characters and they need a backstory. They need some kind of a ghost, something they have to overcome. And so that was there for me, in a sense, with this main character, Ben, the psychiatrist and his loss of his daughter, which is a key thing, key element in the book. And here's a guy, he's, you know, supposed to be, knows all about healing and helping people. He can't heal himself. <laughs> and so uh, it's very much also a relationship story. And I think uh, maybe I wouldn't have been able to write this at, when I was younger, when I hadn't experienced mm. a lot of loss in my own life. I mean, I, I think that the experiences we have uh, in, they enrich us, they enrich our writing, they help us see things in new ways. And so I had a sense of this character and his life. And then the magical elements that came in, I, you know, it's it, I decided to write this book organically. I didn't do a lot of plotting and a lot of uh, planning in advance. I mean, I, I, I know certain things about uh, story structure. I decided to let that be in the background and to let the story tell itself and to let the characters speak through me. And when I tried to to push it too hard and try to um, almost impose my own ideas, uh, it, it just didn't work. I got stuck. Mm. After the first 25 pages, I, I just put it down. I was like, you know what? I can't I can't do this. I was ready to give up. <laughs> yeah, that was my question because you are a nonfiction writer and and you do have research that has to come in and there are certain things you have to create in chapter seven so it makes sense to the reader in chapter eight and and so forth. So I was gonna ask you if it felt like you were untethered a little bit. Was it scary to write 
organically and not be exactly sure what it was going to turn into. Yeah, yeah, it was scary. And and what happened was when I when I put it away and I thought I can't do this. That's when I realized I had to take a completely different tack hmm. and had to not write it like one of my nonfiction books, right? And that you know it's going to just keep going every day, and I know exactly you know when pretty much when it'll be done, and every day I'm making progress on it. I just said, okay, I'm going back into a very creative realm, into kind of the unknown, the unconscious here. And I have to let that be my guide. I have to trust it. And so it was a completely different process for me. There were a lot of times when I would just walk away and I would know, okay, I have to figure out this thing about that character. I'm just going to let my unconscious do it. So I would you know, do some meditation. I'd walk out in nature. I would just allow myself to step back from it knowing that i could i would get the answer it would always come to me but it wasn't linear in the way that i would do my other book so that was a very different process for me but i and in some ways i was kind of shocked at how it these different pieces would come together <laughs> well when you did did you sit down at the computer every day or or write on it every day or did you really just work on it in your head and your body, those other ways you just described, and then come when you had something to write. How, because I'm starting to panic a little bit, Donald. <laughs> I don't write like that. And I'm like, wow, just, just, you know, calming down, just relaxing a little bit and allowing that to come. Did it always come? I guess is, is the fundamental question. Yeah, it did. It did. And most days I did sit down, but sometimes I was really stumped and I yeah. had to walk away for two or three days and just let it let it come to me. For example, I had a, a spirit guide. Uh, there's a bit of a shamanic journey in here in this story. And so I need a spirit guide. And, um, you know, I thought, oh, I want to, my, the, uh, my usual intellect said, oh, let's make it a strong, you know, like a tiger or a lion uh -huh. or some kind of a four-legged, you know, ferocious animal. And, but it just didn't seem like it worked. And I tried to do that. And I thought, you know, I just, this isn't right. And I can't think of what else it could be. And I just stepped away. And it turned out, and it's on the cover of the book, you see these butterflies. It turned out to be butterflies, which surprised me when it, when it popped into hmm. my head. But I, that's what's one example of how I gave it some time. And then it just worked. I was almost like, I never would have thought of using that at, in the story. And yet the butterfly was perfect, too, because of symbolically how it represent, represents catharsis, um, metamorphosis. Well, and, and you really you really strung that thread throughout the book. I can think of several places when you say that where that was pulled in to the yeah. fabric of the book, too. And yeah. It worked really nicely. Yeah. That's so interesting. I, I love t talks like this, right? Because... I think we get so locked. I get so locked in, well, I need to sit down at eight and this is my writing time and this. And and I think part of the gift and adventure of being a writer, um, the reward of being a writer isn't isn't necessarily financial or the other things. It's our ability to play with our imagination and to learn about ourselves and to really trust that the writing will come if we're present to the work, right? And that might yeah. be going for a walk with the dog or sitting at the desk, but I think that's kind of the magic of it. And it's 
it's fun if you like language and you like words. I think of it as a 64,000 uh, puzzle, word puzzle. Yeah. I mean, how are you going to put all those words together and uh, do it in an engaging way and make the reader feel something, right? I think that was the other thing here that even though I've tried to make my books have feeling and, and tell stories in my nonfiction books, I felt that I could touch people in a different way here and engage them uh, in their imagination and emotion and let that carry them along to new places and 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 in and I hope in an inspiring way I mean that was one of my goals I mean I had some ultimate goals for my work just like I do for anything which is to help people um, grow and see things in new ways I think we're kind of it's easy to get closed down in our culture nowadays and you know pick a side. Oh, I want to go this way or that way. And I think we need to learn to, to be more open. And, and, you know, when I look back too, I think in a way, this book was an homage in a way to some of my favorite authors and that, you know, uh, touched me when I was much younger and started before I even started about writing anything like this. Yeah. Books and writing and ideas, an article, all of it. I think it's the great connector if if we allow ourselves to go into it, you know, as the writer and the reader. I think um and I definitely think your book does that. It it was surprising to me, you know, when when I felt like things might be getting a little too mystical, you always pulled it back with this very practical because the character is very practical, right? He's he's yeah. very educated and more conservative, and and I thought that was just really interesting. It, it had me thinking, and I think um, I definitely think you achieved that, and and I think that is the purpose of books. It's why I keep doing <laughs> all this stuff, all writing. It's a way to connect with each other. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. That character, he was fun to write because he's kind of a a mess in some ways, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and he's so rational and he uses that rationality and logic as a defense, right? And he's holding on to it so strongly and, but it's keeping him from, from, uh, you know, seeing from overcoming his grief. It's keeping him from his wife, from, from other relationships in his life. And so he's, he's kind of locked up and frozen, and so he needs to thaw out and he gets this call to take this kind of mystical spiritual journey, which is anathema to him. He doesn't want to have anything to do with it. <laughs> and yet, um, so he he's kind of like, I, I hope kind of like the, you know, everybody who has that kind of like, oh, I don't know about that's kind of woo-woo stuff there, right? We all feel that. And even myself, I've had a lot of experiences that I can't understand or explain, uh, yet there's still a little skeptical part of me, you know, wonders how is that possible, right? And so, uh, but I think we're in a in a time when we could uh, benefit from opening to the wonder and to the mystery. Yeah, I think it's a relief when we let ourselves do that too. It's a relief to know I don't have to have everything figured out to write a good book or write an important article. I, I just have to do what I can do and trust the process and have faith, like you said, and sit down 
and and do the work, right? There's much we can learn yeah. about craft and we can get better. But I think one of the challenges in this world is we want to hang tight because we're afraid or things are uncertain and hanging yeah. tight is not useful to me as a writer or as a woman or as a mother, right? Yeah. Every time I'm hanging tight, my daughter changes the rules on me. So <laughs> it's about stepping in and, and being with what is, I think. And um, you did that nicely in your book and, and obviously the writing process. I mean, it's interesting that some of the things you were dealing with in the book is also something you had to face as a writer. Like, mm. oh, maybe I can't organize all this. Maybe it, yeah. I just have to trust them. The parallel between me and that character and that, yeah, I had to let go. Interesting. Too, in order yeah. to do the book. And, you know, one other thing I wanted to say is just how, I, I you know, after writing the book, um, I had some trusted writer friends uh, give a look and I got some great feedback. So it was, you know, th that was a whole nother I spent a long time refining the book and adding in little tiny pieces that were kind of missing, little em emotional uh, kind of tissue, right, that held things together. And how, how did it feel to give it out to some, you know, sometimes people call it that beta readers, but how, how did it feel to give out to first readers before you knew it was completely done? Well, you know, I, I have, I, maybe I'm kind of lucky. I have a um, small group of writer friends and who I, I really trust their input. And so it it was felt good to me. I you know, I I think that's the one thing as a younger writer, I would have been less predisposed to want to share my work and maybe more um you know more prone to be get defensive about criticism and feedback. I'm not like that now. I think the more mm -hmm. you write to you, you know, I can also see when somebody says something whether or not i can think about oh you know yeah that's valid or eh, i don't really buy that mm -hmm. i'm not going to go in that direction mm -hmm. so it's also you build up the experience to know to kind of monitor those that feedback and decide you know how much of that you want to bring in or not or you maybe consistently see that among some of the readers and it's like oh i never thought of that so it, it can be helpful but you know, I, I would start with people you really trust and people who I like to work with people who are involved in the writing process themselves. And that brings us to what's in the desk. Even after this great discussion, this is still my favorite segment of the show because I love to talk about pens and office supplies and the tools of writing. <laughs> so Donald, is there something in your life that you have to have around you or a pen you use or a strategy that you have to use to get the writing done? What's in your desk? Well, I uh, a lot of times if I'm having a cup of coffee I like to have my Shakespeare mug. Nice. <laughs> and I got it in at Stratford on Ave, upon Avon when I had taken a uh, it was a class at Cambridge over the summer on Shakespeare. Ah, cool. And it was really great. I loved it and stayed in this 350 year old dormitory. <laughs> and wow. there was a pub right above my room. <laughs> you could you couldn't you just channel him there channel Shakespeare that's that's perfect well it, it was an amazing uh and, and uh we had a wonderful instructor by the name of Stuart Eames and he would read some of Shakespeare's work to us and just the way he read it brought it alive and and you would write a paper and the paper was never done which I loved by the way because you'd write a paper then you'd meet with him you discuss it and you go back and you'd, you'd work on it some more 
So it wasn't just a so outcome oriented. And it was more of the process actually of writing that I use now. Ah, interesting. Yeah, well, don't break the mug because it's working. Uh, um, also, uh, you know, my mouse pad is something yeah. I, that was That's a gift cool. from my wife. Most of my work is done through a computer now. That felt weird to me when I first, I used to write everything by hand, pretty finished. You'd type it using a, uh -huh. a, a mechanical typewriter. <laughs> and then if you had to make changes, I would, you know, you'd, You'd either use whiteout and retype it, and uh, it, mess, yeah. it looked real messy. <laughs> so yeah. computers were amazing. And at first, I remember when I was trying, I was like, "How are these words?" It just felt foreign to me. And now it's just as if the connection between my thoughts and the and my fingertips yeah. are one now. That's a good question. I love that question. Also, having a wooden desk where it can actually feel. Yeah, uh, you know the and it's it's kind of dented and worn, but I've I've done a lot of writing at this desk, so feels like something's yeah. going on there. Yeah. Well, what's next for you? Are you working on a new project? Well, I'm I am thinking about different uh, sequels for Traveler. Okay, so I've been good working so, on that, and also have another uh, potential uh, nonfiction book as well. Excellent. You're always busy with something. Come back and visit with us when your next one comes out and go pick up Traveler. Donald, I assume it's available wherever books are sold. Travelers can be found on Amazon, on um, any, actually, Barnes & Noble. You can get it at retail stores. You might have to order it, but they can order it and get it for you at your favorite independent bookstore or wherever. And um, yeah, and if you want to see anything about my other books, um, now you could follow me on the Amazon page or just go to my website, mindfulpractices.com. Yeah, I was there yeah. today and you've got them listed out and, and they're great too. So I, I've read several of your books on mindfulness and it's really helped me not only just make it through the world differently, but like you said, center myself at the desk when I'm struggling or not with the writing, just to kind of settle in a way that helps me get into the writing. So mindfulness is a practice. I think uh, writers out there, it's worth looking into. And Donald has a lot of great books on that. So check him out and pick up Travelers now where books are soul. And you can find me on simplywrite.substack.com and become part of our writing community there. And my newest book, You Recharged, is now available wherever books are sold. You can also track me down on my socials at polycampbell.com. Before we wrap it up, we have the words of William Faulkner. He said, get it down, take chances. It may be bad, but it's the only way you can do anything really good. So writers out there, remember this week to sit down and simply write. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electrocast. 
Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Deep Leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric acid. Electric acid.